You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Amen. All right. Well, let's get to the Word this morning. Are you guys excited for what the Word and what God has for us today? I am, but I'm a little nervous, and uh, so just uh, bear with me. This morning, we're going to conclude the series that we've been uh, getting our mind around on the idea of humility, and it's the word of the year for us at the Gateway Church. 2021, when we look back, it's going to be humility. That's what we're diving into, and we've spent some serious time looking at that, and you might wonder, why are we talking about humility? Uh, you don't hear a lot of messages on humility or on pride, uh, which is the uh, antithesis of humility, and the reason is found in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, what does the Lord require of us, right? If you've ever wondered, God, what do you want from me? What is it, God, that you have for me, right? Well, he answers. He says, but to do justice and to love kindness. And then it says, and to walk humbly with your God. Can we get that verse on the screen? Let's say this together. I think it should be in the slides. It says, what does the Lord require of you? Let's say it together. Do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so like an onion, we've been peeling away layers of the idea of humility. And the definition that I have resonated with most over these days and over the the last month has been this, is that humility is an attitude of spiritual modesty. It's in that I would, I, in my notes, I underlined that idea of spiritual modesty. It's the spiritual part. It's, it's something that goes deep. It's not just on the surface. It's not taking the advantage of our own desires or our own successes or our failures. Uh, we don't take our failures too seriously either. It's this idea of that we understand our strengths and our weaknesses. And humility is this idea that there's a spiritual modesty that we don't let our self-esteem take over. And so we've been asking ourselves, Lord, what do you require of us? We took a deep dive into the benefits of humility. That's how we started the series. And you can go back and listen to that message. And in that message, we talked about that the best leaders, the best organizations, the best businesses, the best churches are the most humble in each of those categories. The best parents, the best husbands and wives, the best kids are humble. And we said that humility unlocks a superpower in us. It's really the Lord. But what stands in the way of humility? Come on, let's say it together. Pride, right? And we talked about pride, that it's humility's greatest enemy. It's a spiritual cancer. And again, it's this idea, spiritual cancer, because it's deeper than just what's on the surface. Some said that it's the great sin or the utmost evil. And pride is seen when we are unteachable, when we are highly opinionated, when we are defensive, when we're corrected or criticized, when we're argumentative, or when we're critical of others, pride is right there. And the problem that we addressed is that too few of us, including myself, realize how dangerous it is for our souls. 
and how greatly it hinders our intimacy with God and our ability to love others. You say, well, why is that? Well, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5 says this, anyone who is arrogant in heart, anyone who has pride, in other words, is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. That verse, a lot of us, we wrestled with it. Don't, uh, we don't understand it or don't really believe it because of the pride that's in our lives. But in Proverbs 16, verse 5, it says, Anyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And so we've been working on humility, right? And the Lord is helping us in this. And I just want you to know that humility can become your greatest friend. And humility will increase your hunger for God's word. It will open your heart to his spirit. It will lead you to intimacy with God. And I believe that humility is a sign of greatness in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? amen. And if that's true, we've said that this is true, that if we're full of ourselves, we need to empty it out, right? So we got to, there's no room for God if we're full of ourselves. So in other words, we need to empty ourselves so God can use us. I want to be used by God. And if that's the case, I have to say no to myself and yes to God. And then Pastor Bobby, a couple weeks ago, preached a great message, probably one of the best messages I've ever heard him speak on love versus knowledge. And I gave him that assignment while I was away uh, preaching in Ovid uh, at uh, uh, Heartland Church. And uh, there was a verse that he kind of locked into this idea that we do, uh, what, we, what do we need to lay down is what he asked the question in order to lift someone else up. In 1 Corinthians verse eight, verse, or chapter 8, verse 1, says, Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And that's kind of where we've been so far. But today, if I had to put a title on the message, which I don't normally do, but I felt kind of inclined to do so, today's message would be this, Humility Above All Else. Would you just say that with me? Humility above all else. Above all else. And we need to learn humility, church, from those that have learned it themselves. And in the Bible, there's lots of examples, but one that kind of popped out uh, this week as I was studying is Peter. He walked on water, right? Uh, he walked with Jesus. His resume was pretty much just about as good as you can get. He was in the top three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, right? And uh, what do we know about Peter? Before Jesus was taken and beaten and bruised and, and uh, tortured and then nailed to the cross, Je or Peter said he would never deny Jesus, right? And then, of course, we know that, that Peter denies Jesus three times, and, uh, and it's just a devastating blow to Peter. But Peter didn't stop there. He learned to be humbled, and later uh, in his life, he wrote First and Second Peter. And in First Peter chapter five, verses six and, or five and six, it says this. He's writing to the church. He says, "Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders." He says, "Clothe yourself." 
all of you with humility towards one another. That little phrase there, humility towards one another, is really important. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may lift you up. He may exalt you. In those two verses, we see two areas that we need to grow in our humility. The one is in humility towards one another, and then the other is in humility with God. Again, humility above all else. And so, church, It's go time. This is the last message in this series. And I believe more than ever that God is looking for a humble church. He's looking for humble people that will be used by him. And so today, what I want to do is take that verse, 1 Peter 5, uh, 5 and 6, and look at how humility plays with our relationship with others and with God. But let's start with our relationship with others First. And we've said in this series, the, the big quote by C.S. Lewis was this, that uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, indeed, or instead, it's thinking of yourself less, right? And we know that that's good, uh, that idea that our relationship with others is important, and we want to think of others less. But the problem is that for us, for many of us, Uh, need more humility in our relationships with those that we rub shoulders with on a regular basis. Now, question. If you're online, you can answer this in the chat. If you're here, I want you to participate with a hand raised if uh, if this is true for you. How many of you in this series have realized, or even in the opening statements for those that are visiting, And we're glad that we got some guests with us today. How many of us have realized that we have, or let's just make it personal, that you have a problem with pride? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. All right. All right. That's good. Online, you could just, you know, acknowledge. There you go. That's good. Well, today is especially for those that were too prideful to raise your hands. So, I got you. I got you. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. All right. (laughs) That's a good one, right, Pastor Doug? That's good. That's good. Well, the truth is, pride can be seen in all kinds of places, whether it's with your school friends or with your teachers, with your schoolmates, with your family. You can run your life through. Whoever you're rubbing shoulders with, when we're talking about pride with others, it can be, uh, it's, it's right there in so many uh, illustrations. And pride can be hard to identify. It can be difficult to detect. And those who need it the most often uh, don't know that they need it. And it is absolutely destructive. And to illustrate my point, I wanted to, to land on an idea that pride is an elevation of ourselves above 
others. And so I thought what I could do is kind of just illustrate this with this idea that we've got ourselves here, right? And we've got ourselves and we kind of in our lives, we put ourselves above others. How many of you have ever in your life, in a circumstance, in a conversation, in a season of your life, put yourself above others? I know you have. And we sit on our own thrones often. And the way that that is seen is that we say things like, well, I'm better than you. <laughs> and you might not say that out loud, but you might think it. And you elevate yourself, just like the Pharisee did, right? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. It, the Pharisee literally said out loud, he says, I'm thankful that I am more important than you, that, that I am not like you. Wow. That's huge. The other thing, when we put ourselves above others, it's often with a critical spirit. The idea that we have a critical spirit, that you would say things like, well, I would never watch what they're watching. Or I would never drink what they're drinking. Or I would never go where they're going, right? And we elevate ourselves above others. And it's dangerous, church. I would never vote for someone else. And you elevate your thoughts above others. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? That's where we live. Nobody works as hard as I do. Nobody gives as much as I do. No one serves like I do, right? And I shared a story with you a few weeks ago that I used to, when I was about your age, Logan, I used to go around saying, you know who I am, right? I'm Ben Vey, right? Oh, I hate to even say that, but it was true. And I, I would say that. And it's an elevation of ourselves above others. And it's really, really hard to admit. See, when pride increases, what happens? Arrogance goes way, way up. And the rules don't apply to me, right? And what happens is we put others below ourselves on the throne of our lives. And what happens is that others, they feel the effects of that, right? If the rules don't apply to me, I'm pushing others down, right? And it can be seen in our actions and in our thoughts, and it can be seen in the way we live our lives, and it's so detrimental, our attitudes and our, the, the way that we live our lives. In church, it's so important for us to understand that we all, if we're not careful, can set up a scenario that looks like that. And the problem is we sit on the, our own throne, and that's not the place where we should be sitting. The other problem is, is that society looks at this and they almost praise it. We talked about it, right? It's almost celebrated to elevate yourself and to make yourself known. But let me just give a warning for each and every one of us that are here. If we do not learn humility with others, it will ruin your life. Your marriage will suffer. Your family dynamics will suffer, your work relationships will suffer, your finances will suffer, your ability to forgive others will suffer, everything will suffer. And so the question this morning is, who is on the throne of your 
life. Church, it's go time. I said, I believe that God's looking for a church that's humble. He's looking for people that are humble. And Lord, help us to humble ourselves with others. The second area, when we go back to that verse in uh, 1 Peter, right, it said that not only humility towards one another, in verse 6 it said, humble ourselves, or humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And so there's this idea that we need to be humble with God. And so let's look at the other, kind of the second piece is our relationship with God. Our relationship with God matters. And the problem is that many of us have a lack of humility with God. You say things or you act this way. You say, oh, I can handle it. I don't need God. You say, no, I would never say that. And I I get that. You may never say that, but your actions speak louder than your words. For those of you, or let me just say, for those of us, I don't want to exclude myself here. For those of us that pray rarely, or read God's word rarely, it's a direct sign saying, I don't need you, God. For those of you that are like, ah, connect groups, it's not that important, I don't really need those, that's a direct, prideful way you're saying, I'm more important, and I'm pushing God down. See, on the outside, there's a lot of us that will look good. Things are all polished, but on the inside, we struggle. When you decide not to ask God for help or you take God's rules, uh, you look at what's in Scripture and you say, well, I'm not sure that applies to me. Whether that's in your giving, you say, well, I don't really need to tithe. Maybe I'll just give an offering. Or I don't need to serve. There's other people that serve. I'm not one of those. I I don't need to. Or I can look at whatever I want in private and it won't matter. Uh, You are putting yourself above God's word. I can go wherever I want, right? Listen, if you're in a dating relationship and you're saying, well, we're married in our hearts. I know premarital sex is against God's word, but listen, when you decide to put yourself above God, it's pride. It's seen when we can talk about topics of divorce or purity or forgiveness or sexuality in, in general. When the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands, and as a wife, you're saying, ah, I'm not so sure that applies. Or husbands, you're to love your wives, and you're saying, I I don't know if I can love my wife. You're putting yourself above God. And where pride is seen is this. It's a denial of our need for God. So let me try to explain this. Let me try to work on this because this is important for us to get our minds around. So we have me and then we have God, right? And what happens is that pride is a denial of our need for God like it says on the slide. And we put ourselves above God, and it's a lack of respect for who he is, right? You say, I don't need God, and you say, I'm going to elevate myself. And it's, sometimes it's subtle. You wouldn't say it out loud, but your actions, again. You say, well, I can be like God, right? Maybe equal with God. That was Adam and Eve's problem, right? And that was what took them down. It was pride. But listen, if you want to be equal, you're saying you're really above God. 
your faithless prayers, only prayed when you're in crisis, and you're saying, ah, I don't need to pray, only when I need it, only when I turn to God, only in crisis, that is saying that you're putting yourself above God. These things show indicators of who is in control of your life that you don't need God. And this morning, many of us, if we're honest, will put ourselves above God. And it's hard to say that as your pastor. There's times I've done this. Who is on the throne of your life. When you combine these two, it becomes even more scary to me because pride is seen in both of these areas that pride is an elevation of ourselves above others, including God. So not only are we saying, okay, we're better than others, we're better than God, and that's just the way it plays out. And again, it's hard to detect, it's hard to understand, but we need to say, Lord, search our hearts, amen? Because it's so destructive. And humility, though, will help us in the right direction. Do we have a lack of humility with others and or with God? There's a story in Scripture that kind of illustrates this that is pretty powerful, the story of King David. And it's interesting that when you study the story of King David, and the story is found in uh, the one I want to talk about is in first, or 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. It's a story of David and Bathsheba, right? And what's interesting about the story of, ba- of um, David there is that Uh, There's a lack of humility with other people and with God in this story. And I thought, man, there's no better story. And so you know the story uh, from Sunday school, or maybe if you're new to church, uh, there was a king, King David, who was supposed to be fighting on the the, uh, battlefield, but he stayed home. He put himself above others. He put himself above others in the fact that he stayed home, and he actually was saying as well in the story, I'm above the rules. He was out on his deck and looking down over the city, and there was a woman, Bathsheba, quite the babe, I guess, uh, that was bathing, and, uh, and he not only saw her, he took a second look and gazed upon her beauty, and he called for her, and she came because he is... King David, right? And he put Bathsheba below himself, and they had relations, and she gets pregnant. Uh Uh-oh, right? He puts himself above others. And what's interesting, he not only disregarded the soldiers that are fighting on the field because he was supposed to be out on the field, but he puts himself above others. It leads to adultery. The second part of this story is that not only does King David put himself above others, he puts himself above God as well. See, he gets busted because she's pregnant, and he's saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. And so he now gets Uriah the Hittite, uh, his, or uh, Bathsheba's 
husband off the field. He brings him in and says, hey, go home, sleep with your wife, and, uh, and have a good time. And he says, absolutely not. He slept on the porch of their house. He would not do it because it would go against the law. But King David says, well, you can do it, and there's no accountability here. And, uh, and, and so what happens is uh, Uriah doesn't do it, and he ends up taking Uriah's life, puts him on the front line of battle, and tell, gives the order to back away when the fighting is most fierce. Wow. You say, well, how is that above God? Well, because he took Uriah's life in his own hands. See, God is the one who gives life and takes away life. But King David says, no, I'm above you, God. See, these rules don't apply to me. He put himself above God, and it led to murder and adultery. And when I look at this story, King David was a man after God's heart, and he's still failing. It it really rocks our world. And there's some people that would say, well, he'll be okay. He's the king, right? But she's pregnant, right? And what happens is King David, in the story, elevates himself above others, above God. And I would say he not only sits on his throne... To me, he's rubbing his face in this story, saying, I'm going to be above everyone else. And if you know the story in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, the prophet Nathaniel gets a word from the Lord. He gets insight into what King David had done. He approaches King David and says, hey, he tells them a story, and, and uh, not about the adultery, but he tells a story and about the murder. He tells a story, uh, and King David's like, man, we should get that man. And then Nathaniel, uh, uh, Nathan says, you are the man. You're the one that has caused all the trouble. And King David, in that moment, does something very, very important. He not only steps down, and the world would say, okay, just have a seat, King David. Just sit in the throne. That's rightfully yours. But he does something more. He comes down off of his throne, and he humbles himself. And in first, or 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, it says that he repents. In fact, that we have it on the on the verse or on the slide, Second uh, Samuel. It says, David said to Nathaniel, "I have sinned against the Lord." He humbles himself, and not only does he humble himself. In Psalm fifty-one, we see King David, and I just picture him flat on his face saying, God, have mercy on me according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. And the world would tell David, just get up. You're embarrassing yourself. You're humbling yourself. He says, no. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. 
and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned, God, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your own words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin I did my mother's conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And again, church, the society in that time would say, David, you're embarrassing yourself. You don't have to do this. You're the king. But he goes on, he says, no, let me, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. And then he says, and say it with me, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit and uphold in me a willing spirit. Again, everything in society would say, just get up. And some of you are wondering, saying, this is awkward, Pastor. When are you going to get up? And I get that. But I thought I'd just finish the message right here on my face. Just kidding. See, the key to what he does is actually in verse 17, just a little further. Let's put it on the screen. Psalm 51, 17 says this. Uh, can we get that up there? It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. When I think of King David's story, what he does is he changes the narrative. He says, okay, God, I'm going to humble myself. And before others, and certainly before myself, I'm going to get my priorities straight. This morning, as we understand or try to get our mind around this idea of what King David modeled for us with humility, my heart has been moved in this story. And again, it's go time. I believe that God is looking for a humble church, a humble people, Micah 6.8, what does the Lord require, right? He requires to do justice and loving, have loving kindness and to walk humbly with our God. And as we wrap up this series, I want us to slow down and ask some serious questions of ourselves. Do we have pride? Do I have pride? Where can I grow in humility? And I believe if we ask those questions, God will help reveal those things. How can I humble myself? Where can I humble myself? 
Who is willing to humble themselves, right? And the truth is, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all need repentance with God, and we need to learn repentance with others. And the question we're asking is, who will be on the throne of your life? And this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to know that it takes humility to accept Jesus as your Savior, for Him to remove your sins. It takes humility. But it's possible that you found Jesus without knowing about humility. And, and I want you to know, now you know, as God's people, we should be some of the most humble people on the planet. And it's not only in our relationship with God, we need to have humility with others, considering others above ourselves, considering God above ourselves. And this is how I like to close the series. Would you stand with me as we prepare to respond? This morning, I'm going to ask for some bold moves. Listen, I got on my belly this morning and uh, before you, and I'm going to ask that you take some bold moves as well. I'm going to ask that you close your eyes. This is between you and the Lord at first, but then it'll become even a little more real. Uh, I'm going to ask that you be as honest as you can. If you're here this morning, and as I shared the idea that it's possible that you have been putting yourself above God in your lack of prayer, in your lack of devotion, in your lack of uh, God's Word, your faithless prayers. You're, okay, I pray at night before I go to bed, but when's the last time you spend any time significantly on, in the presence of God? And you're saying, man, I've been putting myself above God. If that's you, and if, you, if you're online, just acknowledge that if you would. And if you're here, would you just raise your hand right here? If that's you, yeah. I get it. Now, with your, if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. But for those of you that raised your hands, which was a whole lot of us, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something even more difficult than raising your hand with the eyes closed. But we'll get there in a second. As I was preaching today, and you're saying, okay, I get it. I've been putting myself above others with my critical spirit or with my... Uh, with my attitude or in my thoughts, and no one might know, but I think of myself more highly than I ought. I put myself elevated above others. Would you just raise your hand as well? Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm going to ask you to do, and this is, replies to the vast majority that are here, I'm going to ask that as we close this series, the song of surrender, I'm going to ask that you step out into the aisles and that you come forward if you raise your hand, if you're saying, "I look, I struggle at times with my pride, with God and or with others. And I'm going to ask that you would just join me at the altar as we ready to do it, it's going to take a step. And some of you are going to be like, man, I'm not stepping out. That's just, you know, listen, <laughs> some of you are coming. Thank you. Thank you. Would you join me as we conclude our series on humility?
church, I preached kind of a combination of our humility series a couple weeks ago at Heartland Church. Um, I'm on the board at that church. Uh, it's my cousin, uh, her husband that pastors it. And after I preached a similar message to this, uh, someone came up to me at the end of the service and said, I I think you missed a big piece to the puzzle. And uh, I'm like, great. I just prayed for humility, and here's an opportunity for me to be humble. And this godly woman was dead on. What she said, she said, at the foot of the cross, we are all equal. think of ourselves more highly than we ought, right? Lest we fall. But that idea that at the foot of Jesus, at the cross, we humble ourselves. And James 4.10 says, when we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. And what I love about that, it doesn't matter what our past was, It doesn't matter what mistakes we've made at the foot of the cross, Jesus forgives it all. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what kind of trouble you found yourself in, at the foot of the cross, Jesus, he lifts us up and he sets us on a solid foundation. And we haven't addressed in this series the idea that there can be a good sense of pride. Listen, when you're on the solid rock of Jesus, there, there, we can boast. We can boast in the Lord. Amen? And so he puts us up. He picks us up and puts us on a solid rock. And I know some of you are like, man, but my world is falling apart, right? I, I can't get it together. I keep on making mistakes. No, at the cross, Jesus picks us up and he puts us on a solid rock. This morning, I just want to speak a blessing over every single person here, everyone that's watching online. The idea that when we humble ourselves, that the Lord, He's the one that will promote us. He's the one that will elevate us. And He will give you opportunities to share His goodness this week, even today, on the Lord's Day. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for what this series has meant to me. Lord, for the way that you're stirring in our hearts. I do believe, Lord, that you're looking for a humble church. You're looking for humble people to use. And God, I just want to be one that's found faithful. And Lord, where we're found faithful is at the foot of the cross where you gave it all, where you sacrificed it all. And today, Lord Jesus, I just pray that if our priority has been out of whack, if we put ourselves above you, or we put ourselves above others, or for many of us, we put ourselves above you and others, God, I pray that you would be at the top. You would be on the throne of our lives. And Lord, I pray that when we do that, Lord, as we humble ourselves and we say, God, we're nothing, but then you put us on a rock and Lord, you give us a platform to share your word, to make a difference. 
And God, so I just pray a blessing over each of us, Lord, that you would just commission us to be your people. Lord, to put us in places where we can make a difference, where we can meet needs, where we can share your good word, and we can lead others to you. Lord, I pray that you would do it over and over and over. Just put your hand on your heart and just say this. Lord, Lord empty my heart. Empty my heart. And fill it only with you. Fill it only with you. Use me. Use me. This week. This week. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Doug, can we just lead us one more time, just kind of the chorus of that song one, one more time? Let's just, right where you are, let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Let's just cry out to him one more time before we dismiss. Thank you, Jesus. We just want more of you. Bless of ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you that you are the God that goes before us, behind us, and all around us. You're going to use us this week for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, the Lord has been with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, go in the grace of God. And this morning, if you weren't able to give to the Afghanistan Project, make sure this week before Friday, everything you give will be quadrupled. It'll be doubled and then doubled again. And, and also, connect groups is so important. Make sure you're planning which connect group you're going to be a part of. Sign up online. You can grab sheets in the lobby. It'll explain all of it if you're a paper person. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.